Let's ask the Lord's blessing. Dear Lord, we're very grateful for your word. We're grateful for your apostles. We're grateful for your son, your Holy Spirit. All the things that bring to us a knowledge of what you think. And we'd like to have that shared with us, and we'd ask that you would open our minds to it. In your son's name, amen. Okay, we are in, a, actually, I was actually looking in three, the synoptics on this one, because this event occurs in all three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, the passage I have majority of here, Luke 12 and 13, and then down at the bottom you'll notice it jumps over to the Luke accounting. I left the Mark one out, it's like Mark 8, I think or earlier, um, of the parable of the sower. And um, with that, um, I didn't intend it to be the parable of the sower. It's, what, it's a great, one of the richest, it's like Romans 6. The parable of the sower is just a huge wealth of Christian, um, uh, Christian benefit. But um, it's Mother's Day, and I, I have been known, I remember back when we used to be a home church, I remember Melissa Stringfield that just got really, not really torqued at me, but I was, I was making, I was preaching on the Virgin Mary or something like that on Mother's Day, and it, it, it wasn't uh, good. <laughs> it was a great sermon, life-changing. But it didn't sufficiently honor actual mothers. It kind of kicked the actual mothers down a flight of stairs for the sake of the point. And so I had a reputation for that. So a lot of times on Mother's Day, I just avoid it. But I, I mean, I was thinking about it. I was thinking of that awful passage, Mothers Don't Like Anywhere, which is right here at the top of the page, oddly enough. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied, <laughs> as if. And that's, and that's the sort of thing moms are a little feeling, because they are the BDM. I mean, they're, BDM means Blessed Virgin Mary. Um, they sort of associate with the BDM at this point. They, they like watching Mel Gibson's Passion with the Christ because they love the, the, the Mary and you see mother I make all things new and mothers are just weeping because they, he made a table for her and then he got killed and there she's like a Caravaggio painting there at the end the Pietà and he's lying over her arms and moms everywhere can realize that's how they feel and Jesus is going ah, ah. He replied to the man who told him, who is my mother? <laughs> That's not what you want to hear on Mother's Day. Who is my mother? And who are my brothers? Stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother, sister, and mother. Happy Mother's Day. Now, as I was looking at the passage, initially I was looking at the Luke account of the passage and then looking at the Mark and Matthew accounts. What's interesting to me 
is what that passage is associated with. In Matthew and Mark, the very next passage is as you see it here in the Matthew passage, the parable of the sower. The very next passage. In Luke, that bit about who is my mom, as if, comes right after the parable of the sower, the next passage, the next paragraph. Happening on the same day, you see at the, at there at the next verse in chapter 13 of Matthew, the same, that same day Jesus went out. So this is associated with the circumstance where Christ is not putting family first. Some of you might think family goes first. Or <clears throat> any of you, Paul will recognize, yesterday we were having a big debate at the Drones Club. <clears throat> and basically, the, it's whether you obeyed American family values or Jesus. That was, that was your choice. The, they weren't doing well at the Drones Club. <clears throat> it's amazing how much will put up against Christ. He says the weirdest and awful things that we just don't know how to deal with. But I want you to be thinking that Christ, not because it's Mother's Day and Jesus has said, Pishtush, as if, and putting mothers in their place. We're not about putting mothers in their place. He is about putting the family of God in his place. Who are my brothers, sisters, and mothers? Those who do the will of my Father in heaven. So it, you might say that Jesus is shutting the door on family values as we think of them. But he's opening the door what it is to be part of the kingdom of God. Now what's in, what interested me here in looking at the passage is a, a few things that we don't associate. One is this conversation with the parable of the sower. Secondly, when you get into the parable of the sower, frankly, the most interesting stuff is all the bad soil, right? And, and, and some pastors preaching through the parable of the sower, you get the hard ground, and then you get the rocky ground, and then you get the weedy ground, and then finally you get good soil. And by the time the sermon gets to the good soil, it just goes, oh, good soil. Because it's not as much fun as the gossipy quality of, well, how bad we can get. We're not always in church to learn how we don't do it. Sometimes Christianity seems to be structured around how we don't do what our Lord tells us. We're so big on faith and forgiveness that we're always talking about what worms and no men we are, how, how we failed God, or how we matched the rocky or the, or the, 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 the thorny ground. And, and we think that's, a, that's the good Christian experience, is figuring out how bad a Christian we are. Too often... We almost design the faith to be, okay, Jesus says this, and this is where we don't have to do it. Set up categories of, of where it's, I can do the bad thing, it won't be bad because I figured out 
all the loopholes in what Jesus said. We're designing a faith that never seems to be about the victory in the faith, the right thing, becoming the family of God, actually being a brother or sister or mother of Christ. Seems like it would be something you'd want. It seems like it would be something that every mother who knows the Lord Jesus Christ would set aside their own child to be the mother of Christ, to be the sister of Christ. So what I wanted to look at, since he just told you that whoever does the will of his Father in heaven is the mother, brother, and sister, and, 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 uh, mother, brother, and sister of Christ, we're actually looking, really want to look at the good soil. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat there, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. Did I tell you this awful story that I got into a fight in Chattanooga about on that passage? I'll tell you. I, I, I hope my friend, who I argued with, will never go to SoundCloud and listen to this sermon. He's a professor at Liberty University. The other was an Anglican vicar. We were smoking cigars. I think the name of the bar was Chattanooga Choo Choo's. It does sound like a joke. I thought I was in a joke by the time. Because what was really important in this passage, said he, was that Christ was in a boat and the people were on the land. And that, really what you had to focus on is Christ was in flux and they were fixed. He was in flux because he was on waves. And they were, I was looking at him, are you out of your mind? So I said to him, Scott, are you out of your mind? He was surprised that I did not see the plain teaching of the word. Flux fixed, oh God. It was the boat. He was in it. Get used to it. And he told them many things in parables saying, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, birds came and devoured them, other seeds fell on rock ground, where there was not much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell upon thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Well, that's a phrase you know from the Bible. It's like amen and amen, verily, verily. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, if you were not, if you were the first time this had been said, this is early in Christ's ministry, and he's saying a weird thing. He's already offended his mom and his brothers and any mother present. And he gives them this. What could this possibly be? Well, let's look at Christ's description because we want to know since he points to the success of the good soil which brought forth grain and varying degrees of, of profit 100, 60, 30. And then he says he who has ears to hear let him hear. That means somehow 
I am being judged by the incoherence of this parable right now. The, the, the lack of meaning it has is making a judgment on me. Am I going to listen to the judgment on me? How I listen is going to be the judgment. What you're doing right now with your mind, right now, is the judgment. I, you know, not, I'm not doing it. You're doing one or another thing. You're thinking about finals. You're wondering if the sermon really will be any shorter today. Doesn't look like it from here. You're wondering whether or not you've got the food out, the thaw that needs to be out so you can cook it when you get home. You're wondering what the Lord said and how it applies to you. Those that have ears to hear will hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Why are you making this hard, O Lord? Why, why don't you just tell us, write a systematic theology? This is how the Trinity works. This is how salvation is. There is free will, and yet I, very, I, I determine something. Uh, or, you know, let me straighten out your eschatology. Jesus, on the end of the world. And he writes a book. He did a lot of teaching, folks. People wrote books in those days. Why is there not a Jesus book about the end of the world? Why is there not some clarity, for heaven's sake? Get it? Religious joke. Because he doesn't want you to understand. That's why. Because you're not one of the people he likes. He, he likes some people, he doesn't like others. You got that, right? He, he, he knows that there's bad soil out there. What are you going to do? Good soil has the good production. Bad soil doesn't have the good production. It seems like part of the, this is one of the, uh, you might say, one of the interesting aspects of the scripture. This is a scripture that is hard to get the meaning out of, and it's about scripture having, getting difficult, difficult meanings out of scripture. A passage that's hard to understand about passages that are hard to understand. He answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to him who has will more be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now I want you to look at the right and the good. The thing you're supposed to be. Don't get caught up in the bad boy passage, you know, oh, I was, you know, I'm just sort of feeling like I'm, uh, Satan has taken the word out of my heart and I have no understanding, or I'm the rocky soil, or I'm the thorny soil. Oh yeah, you may be, but let's not think about this. Let's think about not what you are, but what you aren't. What you're supposed to be, what Christ is trying to create in some people. These are people that will bear fruit. We know that, right? The good soil will bear fruit. We know that also that they will have the secrets of the kingdom given to them. It will not be given to others. No, it is not your obligation to tell the world about the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. They don't want it. You give it to those who seek it. 
you teach them the secrets. I don't go from door to door saying, hey, can I have a small Bible study with you over the next six weeks where I can teach you the book of Romans? They look at me like, I don't want to know about the book of Romans. Well, that's why I tell the Christians, why don't we have a Bible study on the book of Romans? Because I suspect they want to know. I suspect that they might have ears to hear. Because to them has been given the secrets of the kingdom. Not only that, but the fruit of the secrets are an increasing measure. You get that. He who has will more be given. And he will have abundance. So what fruit you're bearing, what secrets you understand, will be on the, on the constant improvement. I read, I don't like quotes on Facebook, because I really don't think the scholars of Facebook read very deeply. I think they go to a book of quotations published by Reader's Digest and pull out an Einstein quote or a whatever quote. I saw one the other day talking to Andres Segovia why he practiced and when he was very, very old, why did he still practice? And he said, because I think I'm, I'm seeing some improvement. I think, I think I'm getting better. We as Christians the nature of the secrets, the nature of the fruit, when you're the good soil, when you find out, yeah, hold it, that parable, uh, that made sense to me, and I am the one with ears to hear. And I will be given more because I am one of the ones with ears to hear, because I have sought the things of God. I have wanted to be a brother or sister or mother of Christ. I will be given more. But be also aware that those that have not what they have will be taken away. This is why, verse 13, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. So it would seem to me that the people who are good soil, the people that are the actual the success of the parable, the good boys, the good citizens, the ones that are going to get the most out of this, do see do hear and do understand. And they seek to see, hear, and understand. So this is where the judgment happens, part of it. You do want to check. Not whether or not, and a lot of people say, I'm, yeah, I'm one of the bad soils, but I'm kind of sorry about it. And that's what Christianity really is, is accepting the grace of God and being sorry and picking yourself up and dusting yourself off and going on with life. And you think that if you're constantly deficit spending, being a lousy Christian and being sorry about it, that that's the Christian life. One should not find yourself honestly matching up with the bad soil and make some effort to match up with the good soil. Because they are the family of God. Those that do the will of the Father in heaven. Now, he quotes this passage from Isaiah. With them, verse 14, is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah which says, You shall indeed hear, but never understand, and you shall indeed see, but never perceive. 
For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears are heavy of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should perceive with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn for me to heal them. Notice how he followed the same thing, seeing, hearing, understanding, and then he has turning. They don't. Now, a number of people have said, Evan, you should read audiobooks aloud on tape for people. You got that voice. It's not an English accent, but it's deep, it's resonant. My wife will go to sleep if I am reading aloud. Others have gone to sleep and fallen out of their chairs in Bible studies with a whole stack of reference books on their lap, just like they had been slain in the spirit. Over they went. Because my voice, somewhere around 8.15 in the evening, after a hard day and a big meal, you cannot resist the power of my voice. But sometimes that voice is saying something important, and you aren't dulled by it. You'd like to blame Evan. Jesus gives him a resonant voice, and so he's at fault because I'm asleep. In a Bible study, where I should be eager, 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 eager for the Word of God. And no, I'm out. Because of Evan. Jesus is dull. No, no. People think that. And the churches come to believe that too. Not that, that maybe Christianity is too dull for young people today. Let's make it not dull. You say, Evan, you're trying to make it not dull, you know, jumping around behind the pulpit, pretending to be asleep. Just how I talk to people. But churches want to do that. They want to get people to, they want to keep make the message more of something. And Jesus is telling this parable saying, how could I make this more obscure and harder to understand? No, 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 Jesus, you got the wrong idea. We're supposed to make it alive to people. Bring parables. I, I've read that to you before, right? The, the Matthew 12 point. Um, Matthew 12. Uh, mm. Or is it Matthew 13? Ah, there it is. Uh, this is the footnote, Harold Lenzel, very conservative scholar, no longer with us. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Spiritual truth unfolded in everyday language and figures. The details of a parable should not be pressed beyond the principal object of the comparison. Each parable has a main point and was spoken to make that point easily apparent. Jesus is going, I'm telling you this so you won't have a clue. So that you, not he, he is not accused of being dull. You're the one who doesn't see, doesn't perceive, doesn't understand, doesn't turn. Problem isn't with Jesus, with the, with the soil. The soils are the ones that have differences. Not the pastors. The pastors are different. Some teachers are expositional. Some teachers are devotional. Some teachers are, you know, uh, it's all polemic or something along those lines. And there are differences. But really the concern of Jesus Christ is what are all the differences in the hearers? Do they see? Do they hear? 
Do they understand? Do they turn? But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Do you, you ever start to go, you know, I'm, I really am and ought to be living like a person who is good soil in the kingdom of God. Because if I'm in the family of God, and you know we don't have a membership here, you can't join. You've either joined Jesus Christ, and I'd much rather have you figure that out. Have you become part of the family of Christ in your experience with your pursuit of God? Blessed are your eyes if you have. But if your eyes are blessed, you will know they're blessed. You'll know that you are excited by the fruit and excited by the secrets that you are going to grow and abundantly grow in learning. Produce it. Truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Christendom has been around and has really kind of taken, we know the end of the story, right? We, we, everybody's been a spoiler and, and we know that 2,000 years of Christianity, poorly lived generally. We kind of know the drill. We know what it's about. We sometimes get used to something amazing. You ever start thinking about gravity and how you don't have a clue of why you're stuck to the ground? You have, you have no reason to expect it. No reason by which you can explain it. And there it is. And that's when you're, you, you don't want to have had a couple beers or a visit to Pullman recently. <laughs> and start thinking about gravity. Because you don't know your world. People have gone crazy for a lot less. And you're standing there with Jesus Christ having been made one of his brothers, sisters, or mothers. and You suddenly realize how wonderful an opportunity you have been given. What a blessing. Like I said earlier about the reading of Romans 6. Do you understand how amazing it is? Do you understand? Have you ever read something by C.S. Lewis? I've read a few things by C.S. Lewis. And have you ever just sat there breathless over a paragraph? Oh my gosh. What did he just say? That is so amazing. How did he do that? It's like magic. Sleight of hand or sleight of mind, I guess you'd call it. That's the whole Bible's like that. The whole word of God, the whole message of Christ and his apostles is a blessing. That people who knew the blessing of God in any way wished they had lived to see. Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. This is what was sown on the path. You know people like that. I know people like that who go to church. It's like throwing this at their head every Sunday. And, and they sit there passively. I'm a good member of the church. I'm a member in good standing. I give donations. They don't understand a thing. Satan has taken the word out of their hearts. They have not understood. They know that church is sort of a good thing in Western American culture. 
That's what was sown on rocky ground. This is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Oh, we love to have those people at the church, don't we? Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. He's a fair-weather Christian. He sees what it says. He likes what it says. He's happy to be leading the choruses up front with the guitar strumming away with that awful singer-songwriter strum that you want to break his fingers until it gets bad, until nobody likes you, until you're not popular. All of these people, all of these soils go to church. People who don't understand, people are really upbeat about it. You ever meet people that are so upbeat, you suspect that they're trying to prove that they're upbeat, that they're happy at Jesus? I know some people are just happy people. I'm not recommending that everybody has Evan's expression of face. You know, it's, it's just, I'm lazy, I don't want to smile. There's nothing that funny. Maybe that's the problem. But there are other people who are upbeat, up-tempo. I'm fine with those people. I know Jesus loves them too. We're talking about people that you see in the Christian circle who receive the word of God with joy and you are not to be that person, not because they're joyful, but because they have no root. They don't understand what it means. They don't understand that like the Christ, we are called to die, to take up our cross and follow him. And they only want to be part of Christianity if it's one long party and we win on this earth. As for what was sown among thorns, this is he who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the delight in riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. We've got people who don't understand in the church. Are they the family of Christ? All we want to just be all very expansive and latitudinarian and, and gracious. You know, they're not going to make any judgments. But what does Jesus say? Jesus says, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, my sister, and my mother. That's what Jesus says. People who don't understand do not do. Do not see, do not obey, do not perceive. There are those who do see, but see incompletely. And, and the negatives that arise in Christian living drive them away. They will not be fruitful. Then there are those who succeed in the life and are successful. This is rotten soil Christians. And it's amazing how the church is either going to run to the established, successful, normative, what it is to be a success in life, well-established in the business community, as the center and normative aspect of our lives in Christ. Or they run the other way and go grab all the excited young happening stuff. 
They both are rotten Christians. If they're Christians. I'm not saying they're not Christians. I'm just saying they're rotten Christians. They're Christians that have not seen and heard and understood Jesus Christ. We will make the church a community as if we were in service to the two rottenest kind of soils. I mean, you know, maybe you want to conclude the path, the lack of understanding. We try to make everything understood. We feature these people that are the least established in their faith, but the most up-tempo. And we put them down front because they excite people. And then we turn around and we establish as an almost automatic that you become one of the elders of a church once your business turns out and you become part of the system that is um, delighting in the things of this world. Again, nothing wrong with delighting in the things of this world. Nothing wrong with joy. If you don't have root, it's a problem. And if you find that the successes of this world, I'd rather be involved with them, thank you. I love food, as you can tell. I love food. My wife is a good cook. I love art. I love beauty. I love music. But if I love the world, the love for the Father is not in me. Sorry. Those are things that I can only have as rewards to obedience to Christ, not things that I can pursue and love. We want to combine the Christian church with all these bad soils as if they were the normative patch of ground we have to grow our garden in. Rather than saying, you know, why don't we just go look for the good soil people? Why don't we go find them? What we want you to be is all good soil people. Not satisfied coming to all souls or wherever else you might go. As if it was okay for you to be thorny ground, rocky ground. It's not. Jesus wants fruit. He wants family. As for what was sown on good soil, this is he who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. I love the fact that it says, you know, everybody's going to be producing the same amount just because Billy Graham is out there getting big quantities of people walk the aisle. You're going to be bearing fruit, though, because you're going to understand what you're dealing with, that you're standing in the midst of a blessing that people have wanted to belong to. And you're not going to replace that blessing with playtime joy, playtime success, uh, easy to stumble, I just don't understand these deep things. It says in Luke 8, and as for that in the good soil, this is at the end of the passage, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart. Look at those words used. They, hearing, they hear it and they hold it. They are honest and good in their hearts. And they bring forth fruit with patience. 
don't measure your Christian walk as to whether or not you are honestly appraising how, what, how big a part the bad soil is in your life. Find out if you're good soil at all. At all. Because to them that have, more will be given. And then he says immediately after that, where he ends it in Luke, and this is why I put this in the passage this way, verse 16, look at what he says next. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand that those who enter may see the light. Oh, okay. And you start to remember the Sunday school song about this little light of mine. Right? I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Everybody likes that. They, they immediately jump into that notion of this kind of passage, right? Because I, I don't have to think much. I base my Christianity on the songs I sang in Sunday school. Is that deep enough for you? But that's not what Jesus is saying, because he then says, you know, <clears throat> I think I just lit a light. That's what Jesus is saying. And this is, ought to be right out in the middle of the room. I'm going to set this light that I just lit right out in the middle of the room. Thank you. Because he says next, For nothing is hid that shall not be made manifest, nor anything secret that shall not be known and come to light. He said, you don't ever put a light under something. I just kind of made a big bright light with this parable and I, what I taught on the basis of it. Let's put that out there because everything is going to be made manifest. You will be judged, he who has ears to hear. He says, because of that, now, since everything is going to be made manifest by this light, verse 18, take heed then, then, listen to me then, since everything is going to be shown, how you hear. Because this Teaching is the light that I brought in. Jesus, as you know, is the light of the world. He walks into the situation and says, you're either going to be listening to what I say and you're going to be doing what I say because you are apprehending the wonder and blessing of this thing. And you're going to be pursuing it to produce fruit for your God. Well, you don't. But you should take heed to how you hear. For to him who has will more be given. And from who has not, listen to this, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. God is not just not growing all those fakey, bad soil, rotten soil Christians. People that occupy the pews, failing to understand, failing to see that kind of an artificial joy is not the way that Christ had set out for us. It's not based, our joy is not based on a satisfying experience. They all think they have something. Not only is that not true, but Jesus is going to take their stuff away. <laughs> this is like being mugged by the Lord, coming out of church. Saying to the pastor, it was a real blessing, pastor. Because that's what you said. It's a real blessing. Thank you. You get such good out of St. Paul. You say nonsense. You don't want to talk about the walk. You don't want to talk about Jesus Christ. You don't want to talk about his gospel. 
you don't want to talk about. You just want to say a few religious things, a few religious verbs, and then get out of here and, and call everything you do fellowship or call everything you do Christian joy. Jesus is going to shake you down and he's going to take your stuff. He's going to take your stuff. Not just not let you succeed as much as a Christian. He's going to take away what you think you have. The place to stand with power in Christ is only as good soil. Only as that which sees, hears, understands, turns, bears fruit, bears fruit consistently, patiently into the future, whatever variety and strength of fruit you could produce. Verse 19, then his mother and his brothers came to him. This is where it, it brackets this. In the other Gospels it was before. It comes right after here. But he, they would, could not reach him for the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are outside desiring to see you. And after he says, as if. Then he said to them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. You ever sense the power of that coming right on the heels of this parable? Do you understand me? You are not only what I prefer, good soil to the word of God, but he's talking about throughout the passage, who, do, who hears the word and does something with it. And then he says, those are the people who are the family of God. So every place you go, every book you read, where the word of God is preached, it's a place where the family of God can be known. Everything Christians are doing with their time, you're letting people know whether or not you're family of God. You're going to be one of the soils. You're one of those religious responders to a guy chucking the seed around. Hey, why don't you come to our church? Oh, yeah, all right. I don't understand a thing. That's okay. Because we like numbers. Don't presume that you have a thing. Because when you think you have something, Jesus is ready to take it from you. Sometimes, do you, do you ever realize that the judgments of Christ don't all come at the end? Even what they have will be taken away. Even what they think they have will be taken away. So your real membership, Paul talks about this with the body of Christ, we are members of one another. And this is what we're supposed to be members in, not in a cool little building. Not with a name and not with a certain culture of what it is to be all souls Christian, whatever that is. That's not what we're members of. We're supposed to be members of the obedient. Members of the eager for the teaching of our Lord. Bearing fruit. So what are you going to do? Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we are very grateful that we have been given this chance to be members of your son's family. Your children his siblings, Lord. We know that's an honor. We know it's a blessing. The grace that your son poured out to bring it to pass is 
miraculous. But Lord, we are one sort of soil or another, and we would like to both know and remedy. We'd like to stop to try to see and hear and understand and turn to you again and again. Make this company of believers, Lord, a greater family in your Son, that we'd be finding ourselves sharing the real common thing. Bless the real mothers, too, in your Son's name. Amen.